Hello everyone and welcome to the Motor City Hoops podcast, an entertaining fresh take on the three-time NBA champs, the Detroit Pistons. Hey Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Motor City Hoops. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads podcast network, including Cavalier Central, Nuck If You Buck, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Hashtag Lakers, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, and At The Buzzer, plus our coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, and The Green Light. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com. Spelled A-R-Y-S-E. And use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Welcome back to Motor City Hoops. In today's show, we'll discuss the Pistons' last three games, a great team win against the Pelicans and two losses against the Bulls and Grizzlies. Then we'll head to our Everything 313 All Pistons sections. We'll briefly touch on DeLon's rights injury, then do a deep analysis on Blake Griffin and look at some of the Pistons' team stats at this point in the season. After this, we'll head around the NBA and talk about the Easter Conference playoff picture, Lakers, Suns, and Blazers. First of all, let's go to our win against the Pelicans, our second straight win. Uh, this past week. Bryce, what are your thoughts on that game? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the initial thing you take away from that is we finally got back-to-back wins, Vlad. You know, like all year it's been win and then let down, win and then let down, and we finally put back-to-back games um, where we played pretty well. I, I think a huge thing with this, six Pistons score between 15 and 21 points in this game. Uh, our leading scores were actually Josh Jackson and, and Svi Mikhailuk off the bench. And then your guy, Mason Plumley, right? Like this is, I know you're, you've been waiting to talk about this with the triple-double. DeLon Wright played well, Bay shoots it, and we just shot it extremely well as a team. So, um, you know, and we didn't get out to a great start. We, we gave up 40 points in the first quarter, and then we kind of got it together after that. Yeah, and uh, I'll get the Mason Plumley right away. So, you know, <laughs> we go right there, you know, triple-double, yeah. 17, 10, and 10. And... Uh, I saw your notes, and I saw that you're going to go into Valanciunas thing a little bit down the road. But to me, Plumlee is really good for this team right now. And um, I, I know you're not a fan of the ISOs for him. I'm not a fan of those either. And I think that's on Coach Casey to kind of figure it out. Absolutely. But I love his passing ability. Um, I love the way he screens. I think he rebounds pretty well. I think every now and then he struggles protecting the rim as maybe a more athletic big wood. Sure. But overall, I'm okay with uh, with him for what we're getting out of him for the money we're giving him. I'm not trying to compare him with, uh, you know, uh, defensively with like a Jared Allen, you know, or uh, rebounding-wise with Andre Drummond. Uh, I'm not trying to compare that, but I think for what we paid him, I think we're getting a lot for that, for, for that kind of money. Then I really want to talk about Grant, you know, because for most part of the season, this team was going when Grant was scoring 25-plus in an efficient way, right? So this time around, this was the second straight game where Grant had a lot of help. You know, he had back-to-back 15 points um, games, and then we win two straight during that time. And I think that says a lot about his team and also says a lot about Grant. And, you know, he's a developing superstar, Bryce. I think we're, we're right. I, we're on the border kind of having him as an all-star. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's getting there. I think you can make an argument either way with him. Uh, you know, it's, it's not surprising that he's had a few bad games. They've probably come at the exact wrong time for him to become an all-star with them happening right when the all-star voting is going on. 
I want to go back to Mason Plumley real quick, Vlad. You you brought up two things. One, the ISOs aren't his fault. You're right. Like I get mad about the ISOs, and I actually <laughs> had a a little conversation with somebody the other day on Twitter. We were laughing about it. He and the guy was talking about you. You can always count on at least two Plumley ISOs every game. Like you, you know, at least you can count on them to come. But they're not his fault. He's put in situations he can't be successful. The other thing is his screens. You know what else you can count on? The other team getting two foul calls every game trying to get through a Mason Plumley screen. And maybe that's not a huge thing to the casual fan, but it gets guys in foul troubles in trouble. It gets us closer to the bonus. And so I think that those are important things that he does really well. Absolutely. And I said this going the season that he's a good screener. And I thought he was being paired up with Hayes also for that reason that he can give, you know, he can set good screens for Hayes, kind of free him up a little bit, you know, have a little more freedom as a rookie. So I really credit Weaver, you know, go looking at all the details, the, the small things that can that can change a game, that can change a player's, um, you know, output in the game. Look at just look at Josh Jackson, right? I mean, he's having arguably the best season of his career. He's very close to averaging whatever he averaged his rookie year. I think thirteen points per game, four and two. And I think Troy Weaver has a lot to do that with, with that, you know, seeing that potential in all these guys and. I also want to say about Grant that he's had two bad games and, okay, not at the right time. But for a developing superstar to go in and not just try to win it by yourself and be selfless, that's what that's what makes me a fan of Grant even more because I love Kawhi's game. Kawhi's never been that, you know, that, that Kobe Bryant type player, that maybe Devin Booker, you know. I think he, Kawhi's a selfless superstar, and I would love for Grant to be that, you know. Okay, granted, right now we don't have a second superstar to go with him, and we have to do it, you know, by committee. And 34 assists, Bryce, 34 assists. Yeah. Like, Don Wright, you said it. Josh, Zv off the bench. You know, they scored, I think, 40 points together. Josh, 21, Zv 18. And they bring a lot of energy. So, to me, at this point, yes, we have our number one option, Grant, and I think – after that, we kind of do it by committee. Might be Mason Plumley, Delon Wright, Josh. I think these are kind of, you know, Sadiq. It depends on how the game goes. But you even said it. This game, we have six players with 15 points or more. I mean, I'm not sure you can ask for a better that, team effort. And it's... That's a great point, Vlad. That's a, that's a great point about him not having a number two. Because then it gets, it's more, you notice it more when he doesn't score 25. Right. Because, like, let's say in Boston, if Jalen Brown only scores 20, well, usually people don't really notice it because they're talking about Jason Tatum scoring 33. But in Detroit, if Jeremy Grant doesn't score 25, there's nobody really else on the roster that's going to unless Josh Jackson just has a really great night. And so I think that's why you notice it a little bit more. I think a lot of these number one options, these these stars on their team, probably have more games like this than what we realize. But as Detroit Piston fans, we notice it more because there's not this second guy that's picking up the slack. Now, this game, we did do it by committee, which was nice to see. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to touch on something, Bryce. What are your thoughts about leadership and veteran leadership last two, three weeks compared to the beginning of the season? Because I feel like those ropes were kind of just, you know, Blake and D-Rose. You know, those are the mentors, the veteran anchors. And now it seems that it's more like Wright than Plumlee. And yep. it seems that these two guys are doing a much better, better job than Blake and, and D-Rose. No knock on D-Rose or Blake. I, I'm sure they tried. But I think them being kind of different superstar type players... It just seems to me that Wright and Plumlee have a much bigger impact as the veteran guys out there. Okay, with, with Wayne Ellington too. But it just seems that this team has been playing much better basketball last two, three weeks for some reason. Like they just kind of they're, – they're hitting a stride, you know? That makes sense though, Vlad, because think about this. What have Blake Griffin and Derrick Rose known since before the season started? That they weren't in the long-term f- future of this team. That they probably weren't even going to last until – you know, March 1st on this team. And so even though they said all the right things and by all accounts did the right things, they didn't have a vested interest on whether Sadiq Bey improved or Isaiah Stewart or whoever. DeLon Wright and Mason Plumley probably are going to, I know there's some talks, you know, there's, there's, there's some talks about them being, being traded, but there's a good chance they're on this team next year or maybe even the year after that where both of us think that this team can be, you know, vying for a playoff. So DeLon Wright and Mason Plumley 
are those veteran presence and they have more motivation to really improve these guys because it's going to be a part of them being a part of a sex- successful program uh, a team yeah absolutely and I, I really want to see this whole thing develop because we've had a tough schedule so far and yes. our schedule is going to get a little easier right now in the, in the second part of the season so it's going to be pretty interesting and then we'll go to a whole different game Bryce the Bulls loss <laughs> Yes, and Grant scores forty three, and an amazing roller coaster, right? We're up twenty two points for the first like twenty two minutes, and then yep. we get outscored seven zero to, to finish the first half, and then the next fifty minutes overall we get outscored forty four to fourteen against the Chicago Bulls. If yeah. this would have happened against the Lakers, I think I would have been okay. But yeah. this kind of just got me mad because I just don't see the Bulls being that good. And it almost seems like a rookie mistake, quote unquote, where uh, we had a 20 point lead. You know, we're up 61 43 at halftime. And we're okay. We're going to figure it out. And then they just kind of just destroyed us. And fourth quarter, we kind of wake up. You know, Grant scores 19 last nine minutes trying to get us the win. You know, in in that superstar way we're talking about. But when we have four assists and we try to do it by committee, it's not possible. And Vla- the, the team, the team didn't wake up. Vlad, Jeremy Grant woke up. I mean, if 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 you watch this game, I mean, it was really hard to watch. As fun as the in the first half was a freaking blast, man. The the first half was so much fun to watch in this game, and you know, guys playing well. DSJ was starting to look good. Dennis Smith Jr. And then you could see it happen at the end of the first half and the start of the second half. And thank God that Jeremy Grant played the way he did. He had a huge night with 43, but nobody else really ever got it going. And, you know, I do want to backtrack a little bit. We, we only played this game because our Spurs game got postponed because of COVID with the Spurs. And yep. then the Dallas Mavericks got postponed because of weather, you know, the, the these crazy low temperatures and uh, them losing power in Texas and all that. So this game, you know, came on the schedule late just because of, the, you know some of these teams that we're dealing with that so that you know that that's what's crazy as well um, we weren't even supposed to see the Bulls in this first half schedule but uh I, I don't know it, it was a tale of two halves we lost I have it here in my we lost a 25 point lead in literally 12 minutes of basketball action between the last how much ever time like minute something of the second quarter to that amount of time in the third quarter we lost a 25 point lead and it's happened before to us. That's that's the crazy thing. Yes. You know, like yes. when we had, you know, back when we had Derrick Rose and everybody on the team, and um, it was just that you know we start slow, we come back with the bench, or or the other way around. It's always just like you know, there's no consistency happening, and I don't know because I've seen it to quite a few teams this year, not just us. So I wonder if it's just the season, uh, you know, this COVID season just affecting everybody, and um, it it has been tough, but. Like we said earlier, right? So we don't have a certified second star, and we do it by committee. And we have 14 assists. You know that we're not going to win games like that because we need you know Sadiq and Zvi to shoot off off the catch. Like yep. we don't need them to create. So they need basically assists, right? Uh, Delon Wright, you know he's going to create. Josh is going to create for himself some, but I, I just don't see it. When we have 14 assists as a team, I, I just don't don't like our chance to win a basketball game. And uh, certainly not when we have this roller coaster that we just talked about. And now just and to go back on the roller coaster, we go to Grizzlies game, Bryce. I mean, it's hey, can, so can, can we go back? I, I want to go back to just one quick point from the end of that Bulls game. And th- this is me on my soapbox yeah. with Jeremy Grant. It's the end of the game and we're down three. And I have a major problem that Jeremy Grant didn't touch the ball in that last possession. And there's a lot of fans that said, we didn't have any timeouts. We got a good shot. Like, you can't risk it. Like, no. The guy has 43 points, has single-handedly kept us in the game. I don't care what has to happen. Jeremy Grant has to take that shot. Or the ball at least has to be in his hands at some point. So is that on him or Casey? What do you think? I I don't know. And that's a really good question. Because I've been blaming Dwayne Casey for this and his teammates. But there's a little bit of me, and I don't want to do this to like knock Jeremy Grant because he's been amazing. But if you haven't been that guy your whole career, maybe you don't consciously think like, oh, maybe I better go get in the lane 
on this free throw checkout so I can be the one that gets the rebound and it's in my hands right away. But I do think there's a little bit of Jeremy Grant not demanding the ball when our number one option needs to demand the ball. I think it's a huge transition for him. And yeah, absolutely. He's, absolutely. He's, he's been making his adjustments, and I think with no timeout, it's on him. If there was a timeout and we come out of timeout and the ball goes to somebody else, then I would say Casey. Sure. But as a, as a player, I'm telling you, Bryce, this is, this is the type of stuff that you just want to demand the ball, especially when you have 43 points, let alone when you're the star of the team. And I think, you know, Jeremy's Jeremy's adjusting to this. And uh, I don't want to put too much on him right now because he's really coming off, you know, like off, uh, you know, not being what the fourth, fifth option in the team to being the superstar, you know, if he was the fourth, fifth op- option in Denver offensively, you know. So to me, that's, you know, I would say it's on, it's, it's on Jeremy, but also give him more time to kind of figure this stuff out because we also, I feel like that we don't have, we didn't have that much time to figure this out because initially it was Killing Hayes with the ball, right? The Minnesota game, we tried yep. to play through Killing Hayes at the end. Then we tried to play uh, the next, our second game of the season, our loss to Cavs, we tried to play to Derrick Rose. So it's not like Casey handed him the keys first game of the season. And kind of, J- Jeremy kind of just got, you know, he kind of took the keys slowly game by game. And he said, okay, yeah. this is my, like, I- I'm driving this. That that's fair, and that's what I, I don't want this to sound like a huge criticism of him because that's not what it is. I guess it was just more of like a little nuance thing where I would like to see improvement. Like I'm interested to see the next time yeah. we're in that situation. Did the team slash Jeremy Grant learn from this game, and we, whatever has to be said or done to make sure the ball is in his hands gets done that i guess that's all i'm saying is i want to see that improvement the next time we're in that situation i know right can you imagine like jordan kobe going locker not room, touching like, the ball y'all didn't give me the ball somebody would somebody would have got punched somebody would have got punched that's, <laughs> somebody might have killed <laughs> yeah some or traded that's what would have happened Bob. somebody would have got traded the long before, ride would have got before traded. Before they got in the locker room, they would like, oh, <laughs> They wouldn't have been allowed in the locker room. Not with those guys. <laughs> oh, my God. That's funny. And uh, But now, Bryce, let's make a transition to this Grizzlies game. I mean, oh, I don't so have much to say about it. 21 turnovers. We're down 21 points, and then we try to come back. So, the total opposite of the Bulls game. Yep. And then we give up 24 points in the paint the first quarter, really. I understand John Morant is explosive. I understand yeah, yeah, he's... Unbelievable. I mean, he's just uh, he, he's just a freak of an athlete. He's very skilled. You know, he has all the tools, but to give up 24 points in the paint in the first quarter, it's just, it's just too much for me. Vlad, it was bad. So I, I didn't get to watch this game live. We had a game, but I wa- uh, luckily NBA League Pass is running their special right now, so I can record the games and watch them back on my TV. So I watched when I got home. And that first quarter was so hard to watch. I bet we didn't. I sent out a tweet. I bet we didn't touch the paint five times all game, all first quarter, and it seemed like every single possession the Grizzlies were touching the paint, and and then we do what we do. We fought back. We got within one in the third quarter. We got within one in the fourth quarter, um, and then we just you know weren't able to finish it out. But you know the Grizzlies forced the second most turnovers in the league, and it seems like those teams are, are able to do that against us. The Cavs did the same thing. They're the best in the league at forcing turnovers. We haven't been able to figure that out, which I guess makes sense, but our, our turnover rate is slowly trending in the wrong direction from where it was at the start of the year. Do you think it's also because, you know, we're missing, you know, we gave up Derrick Rose and we got... We don't have a true point guard? D- yeah, DSJ... We're missing Killian Hayes, okay, who's head. Or maybe we have Jeremy who's adjusting to the new role and he's trying to do too much. Or I think it's a lot on this role adjustments that we keep having in the team, right? For Sleep sure. Bay goes from not playing at all to playing a lot Starting. of minutes, to, you know. <laughs> and these guys need adjustments. And when they adjust, it, it comes with a price. But to me, okay, the turnovers, they killed us. But in the same time, like you said, you know, if we have five paint touches in the first quarter and they score 24 points on the other side, that's a big issue to me, okay? okay you you know, you're a coach, Rice, and, and me as a player, you know, you, you turn the ball over, you hustle back, you make a foul, you, you, you try to get it back. But to, 
to receive 24 points in the paint to me that that's huge that is too much you know and uh it, yeah this i mean this show this this game showed a lot of our weaknesses at this point too yeah and it was it was very noticeable like i wasn't track i wasn't trying to track like what it, like all of a sudden you just notice like Man, all we're doing is passing around the perimeter and shooting threes, and, I, and I'm all about shooting threes, Vlad. Don't get me wrong, yeah. um, but I'll, I'll say the same thing that we tell our high school team here is we shoot a better percentage when the ball is touched the paint and then comes out. And I, I think that goes to all levels, all shooters, no matter what. Like there's just inside out threes, Bryce. That's how the game works, Vlad. Like to me, like I don't know. Basketball gods, but the game you the, the game rewards it. However you want to say it, you play the game the right way. You play offense the right way, and the game rewards you. If you touch the paint and kick out, you're either going to make that shot or you're going to get an offensive rebound and a putback. But if you just pass the ball around the three point line and then jack a shot, the game doesn't reward that. Yeah, and if we think about this is the game of basketball, it's always inside out. No matter you can tell me whatever you want about Steph Curry. And him changed the game, and I, I will agree with you. But how do the Rockets got their all the three pointers when Harden was there? Penetration kickouts. So what's the difference between this Rockets team and the one with Hakeem Olajuwon? It was the difference that the way they were getting the paint. For sure, absolutely. So That's a great. It used point. to be Shaq. It used to be Hakeem. It used to be David Robinson, Tim Duncan, posting up, scoring a little bit in the post, and then kicking out the open shooters. Now the difference is a lot more pick and roll. So the guards get in the paint, but it's the same thing. Paint touches. You got to get in the paint to kick it out to get the easy threes. And like you said, you know, if you just go play around, it's tough. You're going to end up with tough shots and no rhythm for anybody. And, uh, and, and I totally agree with that. Who's the guy on our team that does that at a high rate? I don't know that we have. To me, Josh Jackson is the best guy attacking the paint on our team. But how good is he at kicking out, though? That's, that's why so, I think we're missing Killian Hayes right now. Since we got rid, rid of their exactly. Rose, we're missing Killian Hayes on that. Because we expected him to create like that. You know, I, I don't think anybody expected him to score 15, 20 a game. But I think we kind of expected for him to have, you know, six, seven assists maybe. And we're, we're missing so that right now. So this is what it's, will be interesting. What will be interesting is... If can Dennis Smith Jr. be that guy? Because this is a game DeLon Wright got hurt. So can Dennis Smith Jr. be that type of player? Absolutely. And when this, we can go in the 3-1-3 all piston sections and we'll talk about DeLon Wright. Bryce, you said he'll, he'll be out for th- two weeks right now with a growing strain, which means a bigger role for Dennis Smith Jr., which means he's getting that chance that we talked about yes. a few weeks ago when the, when the Rose trade happens. Like He's going to get a chance. He's the backup right now, and he's the only backup, basically, <laughs> right? So he's going to have a huge role. And this could be, the, the, you know, the, the last phone call that we talked about from the league. <laughs> hey, it's time to, to prove yourself. It's time to show us what you can do. And uh, he will have um, – DeLon Wright will miss two weeks with a groin strain. He will be re in two weeks. So yeah, it could I'd say be a little It could be longer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what? it could be a little bit longer. And, do you uh, think – do you think they moved Dennis Smith Jr. into the starting lineup? Because we've talked about this before with – and I've heard other people talk about it, not wanting to mess the starting lineup up. Like, is there a chance uh, we start Saban Lee or Frank Jackson and keep DSJ coming off the bench? Or do you think they put him in there and start him? That's tough. I think it's going to depend on Casey and how, how comfortable he is with DSJ right now. You know, being, uh, what, two weeks since the, the trade – it yeah. could be it could Week be a lot about Casey being comfortable with that. Maybe he's more comfortable with Lee or Jackson since he's had him since the beginning of the season. But at the same time, you know, quality wise, DSJ is a better player. Honestly, agreed. And I, I would start him. I would start him, and uh, you know, have Saban Lee his energy and uh, athleticism come off the bench with that with a second unit. I think it, it should be fine. I, I like what we've seen from Dennis Smith Jr. so far, Vlad. Like I, he's had a couple games where he hasn't scored it well, but even in that Grizzly game, he didn't, he went 0 for 7 from the field, I think, which I know is what everybody wants to look at. But he also had four rebounds and five assists in that game. 
And he is getting after people on defense. And that's one aspect that nobody talked about. But when you're as athletic as he is, you have the ability to get after people if you really want to on the defensive end. And I don't care if it's rookie second unit point guards. That's who he's going to play against long term. So I like some of the energy he's shown. Yeah, absolutely. And I think he can help us. And if he plays well now, I can see him, okay, you can be our backup next year. Why not? Yes, or, yes. Uh, of course, not not at a $5 million price tag that he's getting right now. I think he's getting about $5.5 million, which is a little bit too much for, for his uh, what he's producing. But at a lesser price tag, why not? I mean, he like you said, he has the athleticism. He can put ball pressure. He can help a second unit, especially a second unit like ours that likes to run that can shoot, that has a guy like Josh Jackson that's very good in open court, that's very good in uh, you know, penetrating. Uh, and it will be interesting to see. But Bryce, let's go to, to Blake. And uh, he <laughs> will news. no longer be with us. That's official. He's not part of the team basically anymore. And uh, we're just uh, negotiating a buyout, I think. <laughs> you've uh, given unless up Unless you on have the, a trade idea. Do you have a up, trade idea? Because I don't have one. You've given up on the trade, blah. Like, that, that's funny to me. So the word that they use uh, the head is a resolution, right? The Pistons are working on a resolution with Blake Griffin, which yes. means trade <laughs> buyout. or a buyout. And you instantly oh, bypass trade resolution and you just say the Pistons are working on a buyout. I love it. Bryce, I... <laughs> I love Blake for what he's done for this this franchise. Honestly, we gave up a lot for him, but he also took us to playoffs. He played an injured knee for us, and he's had probably the best season of his career overall with us. When he shot the ball real well from three, you know, in 2019, he was third league all NBA, I think. Yep. Um, but nobody can trade for him. Nobody wants a 39 million dollar contract for next year, Bryce. Nobody in the right mind. I mean, I don't know, but if I was the owner of a team and somebody would trade for Blake Griffin right now, I would fire that GM I have right now. No, you're fired. I mean, you you keep seeing stuff, and the 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 contracts make sense, and some of the stuff makes sense, but I just I don't see it. We talked about the Miami Heat thing last week, right? We've talked about that one. The new one that's come out is the Oklahoma City Thunder, pretty essentially trading him for Al Horford straight up. But I don't even see how that makes sense for the Thunder unless it's just, hey, we can get – we only have him the, – the contract is one year less for Griffin. So they could get off of his contract one year earlier than Horford's as part why of the would rebuild. we do it then? <laughs> yeah, no. The, 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 so we would do it because Horford is a little bit better still. Is probably going to age better than Griffin. His game ages better. And the cap hit still is significantly less per year. It's it's like ten million dollars less, so it opened up a little bit of room, but and does he play Bryce? Where does he play? He, no, and that's what somebody else said is you bring in Al Horford, he's pretty much reserved to the five at this point, so you might as well Absolutely, send Plumley yes. out with Blake Griffin if you're going to do that, which I know would break your heart. Like I might throw a little bit of a it party, would break but our defense too. By the way, <laughs> stop. But but so no, you're but you're exactly right. Like there's just it's hard to find a realistic trade that makes sense. To me, it's very clear what Weaver wants and what Coach Casey what they both want. They want an athletic team. They want those six nine, six eight, six ten guys that can switch and play. You know, the, the three, four, five position can switch everything for sure and be aggressive like Stewart. So to, to get a guy like Horford makes no sense. You're right. And unless Sam Preston Weaver's got kind of deal, just, okay, hey, let's do this. Maybe it works for both of us. I don't see this happening, Price. He's, to me, Blake is a perfect minimum contract guy right now for a contender to play 15, 18 minutes off the bench. You know, come in, create, post up a little bit against second unit guys, have enough experience, can shoot the ball fairly well, 5-4, 4-5, but nobody in the right mind is going to pay $39 million for this. So what do you think the buyout's going to look like, though? Like, I mean, that... Ugly, I ugly for us, but I have hope in, uh, <laughs> in Weaver, and uh, he might work a miracle. Be- so it really comes down... I mean, Blake Griffin has all the control in this, right? I mean, don't you feel like... Yes and no. I don't think he wants to stay in Detroit either because I think that's why they sure. came out with this idea. And we saw his frustration in the Jazz game. He ripped up his yeah. shirt at halftime, and you know he doesn't want. He doesn't have the patience, the time in in his career 
where you know he can wait two, three, four years for this team to be good, especially when they know that they're going to get rid of him in two. So he might be like, okay, let's work something out where I can go to the Miami Heat, the Los Angeles Lakers. I can help a team out with my experience and you know my value. Whereas I told you, he's going to play better for, for, for a better team, a more talented team. I think he's going to play better than he played for us. But yeah. I don't see him playing more and, than and so that's, 15, 18 minutes a game. That That's what we have to hope for, right? Is like Blake being hungry for a championship or to be on a contender and is willing to give back more money than, you know, I, I don't want to say that than, than what you would think, you know, um, to, at least to the point where it lowers the cap hit uh, a reasonable amount for next year. Yeah, I, mean, I think right now they're looking at what seventy something million for the remainder of this year, next one. So that's huge. But let's let's see how how it all you know pans out. But I don't see him being training. I think it's going to be a bio situation. Agreed. I, I I think I think we're we're way too optimistic to think that there's any way it's going to be a trade. If, <laughs> if Weaver pulls off a trade of any sort. Give that man an A plus for year one. If, if, I'm serious. <laughs> right if off he, the bat. I mean, I mean, he's he's hit on most things already, and Killian Hayes is a question mark. So everything else, he's pretty much hit on. If he gets Blake Griffin traded, and I don't even care if he has to. This isn't going to be a very good take, very popular take, I should say. Even if he has to attach Seku to him or somebody like that, I still think you give that man an A plus for what he's able to do. And I know a lot of Piston fans that they don't like that. They hate the idea of attaching an asset to Blake Griffin to get him out of town, but I'm all for it. So, would you not give Weaver A-plus right now? If I had to give him a grade right now, I would give him an A-minus. For Plumlee? (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't even going to go Plumlee. That's, that's a lie. That's a lie. That's a lie. I was I was going to go Plumlee. Here's the only reason, and it's not even fair to him. In the time we have seen Killian Hayes, like you just have to be unsure what Killian Hayes is yet, What is, is all I would say. So I can't give him an A+, plus because we don't know if the number seven pick in the draft is our future point guard yet or not. So that's why I would take it down just a little bit. Outside of that, I don't. I, what do you critique him on? I know people are hung up on the Christian Wood thing. I understand it a little bit. I guess that would be the other knock. Yeah, but I feel like we kind of have to give it up. Like we have to choose between Wood and Grant. Yeah, it's it just what it is to me. But since we're talking about signings, not signing, let's talk Josh Jackson. You know, he's yeah. he's our last subject on the three one three all things Pistons. He's having a career unit, you know, a career year. I'm a huge fan of him as a second unit scorer. I'll, I'll say this: I'm not sure I want him starting. I think he's great at, at being on a second unit. Yes. And um, I know you mentioned. Do you think we should extend his contract? And how soon should we look into doing that? Yeah, and I, I honestly, I'll readily admit again, I don't understand. I, I don't know when he, he's. I don't know when we're able to. I don't know how this works. I would say next fall. I, I believe yeah. next fall. Okay. Right around training uh, yeah. camp. Okay, so yeah, I think if he if this is who he is the rest of the year, I think we have to seriously consider that. I think I'm with you. I think he's our second unit wing. You know, whether you want to call him a two or a three, I don't think it matters. He's our second unit wing, and I think he can be the second unit wing on a championship team. I'm not saying we're going to be ready to be a championship team. I'm just saying that over the next few years, as we get better and better and grow, I think you want Josh Jackson to be that guy. And obviously the money has to work and all of that, but we gave him his his chance here. He's a hometown kid. I think that we could get. I don't want to say a deal, but I think we could get a good uh, a good contract for him. So yes, if he continues to, he's been really really good the last eight games or so. And you know if he's like a Jordan Clarkson's freaking amazing right now. But if he can kind of be that type of guy that Jordan Clark Clarkson is for the Jazz for us. You have to keep him around. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I wonder what the price tag is going to look like. But I like him a lot. For a second unit um, scorer, I think he's great. Um, and he he's also a hometown kid. And yeah. to me, that, that plays a lot into what Weaver has done for players in general. Like, we, we know we talked about Derrick Rose being 
know, kind of let go to the team that he wanted to go to. Yes. And um, all this kind of stuff. To me, he's, he's a player's type GM, you know, and he, he factors in all this stuff. So it'll be interesting, but I, I would love to have him for more years, especially if he plays like this a whole year. And um, like I said, it's, it's his best year since his rookie year and very similar to that year. You know, I think his rookie year, he averaged 13.1 points per game. Now yep. he's at 12.9. 12.9. He averaged, yep. you know, he's averaging 4.1 rebounds, 1.9 assists per game. He's having a great year. Honestly, and, he's having and, a very Vlad, good year for us. He, and He defends. Like, that's what I've thought about this too. I put in my notes. If, I don't know if Dennis Smith Jr., it, that's another contract situation we could talk about. But those two in the backcourt are going to make – Dennis Smith Jr., Josh Jackson, and Isaiah Stewart as your, in your second unit next year are going to drive a lot of teams crazy. Like nobody wants to play yeah. against that second unit. The way – how hard those guys play, how good they are defensively, on the boards, and everything else. And that is an athletic, fun second unit – and depending on who else you pair with him, whether it's Svi and Seku or some other guys that we bring in. And we all know how important it is for a second unit to bring energy. It's yes, always about yes. energy. It's always about that stuff. And they do that just that. And Josh does that. So I'm, I'm all for it, honestly. And now, Bryce, let's go to around the NBA section. Let's talk a little bit about the playoff picture in the East. I'm very thankful for the Washington Wizards and their four wins in a row. <laughs> I know. <laughs> they keep winning. I don't uh, care about my prediction, them being a playoff team. I just want them uh, a little bit higher up than us. No, that's not true. I thought about this. I was like, <laughs> the Wizards winning does two great things. One, it keeps us higher in the lottery. And two, they're going to sneak into that number 10 spot for the play-in game. And then Vlad's going to be able to have to say that he didn't get that prediction wrong. <laughs> no, it's, it's going to be interesting because, you know, you have the Cavaliers right now, right next to us, and the Wizards with 10 wins, and it just feels like a month ago they were in sixth place. And uh, the Raptors, yeah. you know, they were at the bottom, and now they're in se- sixth place with at 15 and 15. So yeah, it, it's, that, it is a little bit of a weird season. I'm noticing that. But what do you think about the last two spots, I would say, in the East? You have the Hornets and New York Knicks sitting at 7th and 8th. They're both 14 and 15 or 14 and 16 for the the Knicks. Then you have the Bulls, the Heat, the Hawks. I don't see the Magic sneaking in. No. Who do you think is going to finish in this in the top 8 in the in the Eastern Conference? Yeah, you, you you have to believe in Miami, right? They had they picked up a big win. Yeah. So those of you that are listening, we record this on Sunday afternoons and, and usually it comes out Monday mornings. And so um, last night, Saturday night, Miami picked up a big win over the the Lakers, who of course don't have AD. We'll get more into that in a, here in a, in a little bit. I think Miami's going to eventually climb in there. They dealt with a lot of COVID early in this season, Vlad. You know, and so if yeah. they can if they can find kind of that bubble chemistry again and and piece things together, they're going to end up in there. And Bryce, they're only. I mean. The Celtics are sitting in the fourth, and they have 15 wins, and Miami Heat has, you know, they have 13. So, yeah. they're not very far behind no, everything. No, and, 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 and that's why this can change. They cha- defend. You, yeah. You, you said that about the Raptors. Like, they won four games or three games in a row, and they went from, like, 11th to 6th. And if you look at that, like, that's what it is right now. Like, the, it's just so jumbled, especially once you get past the Sixers and the Nets. And Bryce, one thing about Miami, and uh, you know, we, we've talked about defense. They don't score a ton right now. They score one hundred six points per game, which is the lowest in the Eastern Conference. No, Cleveland is like it's one hundred three point nine. Cleveland has the worst offense in the Eastern Conference, but Miami defense. They have the second yes. best defense. Um, they're no third, second, third. Um, Boston has one hundred nine point four. And uh, Miami, you know, they, they give up 109.9. So they're right there as third best defense. And that's going to keep them games. And they have the experience. They have the quality to to get back up. And you're right. You're right. That They're going to be for sure in, in, in <laughs> somewhere in the first eight seeds. What about the Knicks? Like, uh, we, we've talked – I feel like we've talked about the Knicks quite a bit on this show. And I think rightfully so. We try to give love to teams that, you know, all around, like not just the teams that always get talked about. Julius Randle continues to play well. You know, they have Derrick Rose now coming off the bench, quickly plays well. What, you know, R.J. Barrett's having a nice season all of a sudden. Do you, do you think they stay in there in the top eight? 
I mean, they have the best defense in the league, Bryce. <laughs> I don't. If you want to put price on that, they receive 103.7. That's huge. I mean, the next defense is the Jazz, or no, the Lakers at 105.5. And that says a lot about the Knicks. They're scrappy. They have Randall, who plays, a, you know, he's having a career year. And they have Tom Thibodeau, who does a great job of, of playing this kind of style and getting teams to buy in and win, you know, win ugly, you would say, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> and, sure. And uh, I, can, I can see them sneaking in. I don't know, maybe a playing game. I would not say they're going to be, you know, I would say playing game. For the Knicks. That would be more, in the top that would be more like the Knicks. So, Especially that now that now that you mentioned the Miami Heat getting hot a little bit, the experience, the Wizards, may, did they figure it out? I don't know. Okay, so, so th- this is questions. so you look at that top ten right now, there, Vlad. So like we got the Raptors at six, Hornets seven, Knicks, Bulls, and Heat. So at ten, ten teams make it. Seven, eight, nine, and ten play the play-in game. Yeah. So Orlando, like if 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 the Hawks or the Wizards are going to make it in there, which teams fa- are falling out? What, what what teams do you have falling out of that? If you have the Wizards getting in the top ten, or the Atlanta Hawks getting in the top ten? I don't necessarily have the Hawks. And if anything, okay. the Bulls. I, so yeah, I think the, the Bulls are agreed. The, the they're not as good as their record. Um, we, it's some, it's my fault, actually. I should have checked their strength of schedule before this, but I don't see it. You know, I, I don't see them being that good. Honestly, they're um, they give up a lot of points per game. You know, they they, they give up one hundred fifteen points per game. That's absolutely, you know, that's the second worst defense in the in the Eastern Conference yeah. or third, third West, third. They're right there. You know, the Wizards give up one nineteen, the Nets give up one seventeen, <laughs> and then come, you know, the Chicago Bulls one fifteen. Yeah. So, with that kind of defense, I don't think, even though Zach Levine is having a phenomenal year, yes, I don't he think is. They can, you know, I I don't think they can do this all year long, as far as winning the type of games they have won. And I see the Bulls falling out. I would say Wizards, you talk about Heat, get in, you know, and the Bulls, and the fall. Bulls falling out. Yeah. So that's the playing so games. that's that's interesting. One, I'm glad we were, we we mentioned Zach Levine because we talk about mentioning guys that, that, and he's starting to get some more love, and he may even end up being an All Star. But he's had a, an incredible year. Um, that's interesting. That I really thought the Atlanta Hawks were going to be better. You know, and <laughs> I thought they're gonna be like a top sixty. <laughs> and I, right, and that, that's what I'm gonna say. Like we 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 do these predictions at the beginning of the year, and we know how wrong I always am. And I remember I wanted, I almost put them in my top four. I think we did the top four in each conference or something like that. And I wanted to put them in there. And early in the year, they were right there, and then they've fallen off really bad. Bryce, they seem to have all the pieces. So now we, we critique Steph Curry for in the beginning, right? There you go. Hey, yeah. You know, is his team. Now I think it's time to, you know, put some heat on Trey Young. Honestly. For sure. Are you going to win or not, Trey? He has a lot of pieces. He, he yes. has a lot of pieces. And that roster is nice. If you're telling me, you know, Steph Curry 2.0, he can do the same thing Steph does, great. Can you show me some wins? Yep. And I'm not saying it's maybe, maybe it's, he, okay, he's, he's still fairly young. But if you're going to be the leader of that team, you have Bogdanovich, you have all these guys, you have John Collins, you have um, Clint Capella. I mean, that's that's a playoff team, honestly. I, I'm sorry, but that's especially Cam in the Reddish, Eastern Conference. Reddish, like DeAndre that's, Hunter. They, yes, they have, that's, a, that's a playoff team at least. Not, not to say be. that they I should th- be up in the middle of it. It's a playoff, playoff roster. Picture. It's a playoff roster right now. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not a playoff team right now because they've lost their last. They're, they're two and eight in their last ten. But you look at that roster and that talent, and it says they should be in the playoffs. Absolutely, and that's what we saw at the beginning of the season. You know, like oh man, the Hawks. They, they can shoot the ball. They can do this. They can do that. And now they're, you know, they have a fallen out. Whereas uh, you never know, but. You know the last ten games are two and eight. <laughs> I think that's yeah, that's a huge problem. Yes. Well, Bryce, let's go to the Lakers. <laughs> what are your thoughts on the Lakers? Um, LeBron's having an MVP year. I don't know how he does it. Him and Tom Brady. Somebody <laughs> get a book out. I want to know too. <laughs> yeah. They're living right. Somebody doing help something me out. Right. Yeah, they're doing I something right. I understand for. For Tom Brady, it's what uh, the pliability stuff, and for LeBron, it's the TV wine. 12. I don't know. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, you know, without AD now, it's going to hurt them. It's going to hurt them a lot because to me, AD is their defensive anchor. And, uh, you know, right now we just mentioned it how, you know, they only receive 105.5 points per game. And without AD, I think they're going to struggle mightily. Without AD, I don't think they win a champ. Like, I don't think they're a championship. They're probably still a championship contender, but I don't think they win a championship without him. And, and and rightfully so. Like, I mean, he's he's a great player. He's a top 10, I'm sure, I know in your mind, a top five player. So that's not a knock on. He was on, my MVP. <laughs> I know, I know. And it, it's not a knock on LeBron. It's not a knock on anybody else on the Lakers. But they definitely do not look very good without him. And, and they've lost three of four. And this really concerns me because Achilles, and I know they call it a calf strain, but I mean – Achilles injuries are scary, Vlad. Like it, it makes me real nervous, and and I hate the term injury prone. But AD has a history of being injured, and I'm just not sure how much you can count on his availability. So this is starting to get really, really interesting out west with the Lakers. And I hate to get it back, but I hope they understand this very well, and they don't rush him back. Oh, one for sure. Game. Oh my gosh, yes, because. Guess what the diagnosis was when Kevin Durant got injured? Yep. It's a calf strain. Yep. He came back in, that, in those finals, and he sat out. If I remember right, I mean, he sat out quite a few weeks. He did. He did. Yeah. He came back. Boom. So, I I hope for their sake, even if he sits out until the playoffs or past the first round, I really don't care because, like you said, it, it's such – and it, it looked bad when it happened, too. I was like, oh, man, that's that's close. That's close to, you know – and, uh, you know, I hope they're very careful with that. Even if they, they – to me, it doesn't matter. Home court advantage right now is not going to matter that much. Yes. And if you finish eighth, I don't care. You're the Los Angeles Lakers. You have LeBron AD. You have Marcus Sol. I mean, you have Montrez Hell. You're going to be fine. But make sure you're healthy. That's the only thing. Yeah. If yeah. the Lakers are healthy, they're the, they're the favorites to win it. If they're not healthy, they're not even the favorites in the West. The way the Jazz uh, and Clippers are playing right now. I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, you could make an argument for a lot of teams. A couple other teams we want to get into here with the Suns and the Blazers as well. The Nuggets, if they figure it out. Like, th- th- that West is tough. And and you're right. You make a great point. Who cares what seed you end up with? Who cares whether you get home court advantage? There's probably not going to be fins, fans in the stands anyway still at that point. You know, th- you know things are looking better um, with, with the pandemic and all of that. But... I, I, I don't think that we're going to end up seeing that in this NBA season where fans are in the stands. So who cares? They're pro- you know, wouldn't be shocked if the NBA ends up bubbling the playoffs anyway. So I don't think that would be a, a bad idea for the NBA. So you're, you're absolutely right. The Lakers, the most important thing is AD's Achilles. Make sure that thing is okay. What do they have yeah. to do? Just a little side note, Bryce. What are your Denver Nuggets doing? <laughs> Well, they're in seventh. <laughs> Jamal Murray got Should I say 50. something about the Mavs, too? Should I say something about no, the Mavs, no, too? No, no, do not. We, we don't need to talk about Luka. We, we talk about Luka enough. So, <laughs> All right. Uh, let's, move, let's, move, let's move to the Phoenix Suns. You know, we're going to stay yes. out west. And 8-2, uh, and two, their last 10 games. 11-13. What are your thoughts on this? Uh, yeah, what, what are your thoughts on this, you know, the Suns team? That started very slow. They did start slow, and right, and they were the team that exploded in the bubble. Right, they they went undefeated in the bubble, um, you know, and still weren't able to make it into the playoffs. But they went undefeated, I guess, to end the season. Started off slow, and then now it's coming together, which is kind of interesting because there's not a whole lot of new pieces on this team. Um, but they they're playing really well again. A roster you have to really like. They have seven guys averaging ten plus a game. They're fourth in scoring defense. And they have a guy that I don't know that I'm as high on as maybe you and other, um, you know, talking heads. But Chris Paul is a leader, a true point guard. He's won a lot. You know, he hasn't obviously won a championship. I'm sure he's hungry for it. But that's a great leader. And some young guys that are now in like year three, four, five, six that are probably, you know, kind of coming into their primes. 
I'm pretty sure Chris Paul would have won a championship if Davis Stewart didn't stop him. But yeah. <laughs> if he would have went to LA that one time, yeah, I don't yeah, know, hit the Kobe NBA right there. That. Yes, yes. <laughs> and then the injury, but, right? He got he he got hurt with the Rockets when they had the Warriors yeah. down three one. So, and I'm I'm a big fan of Chris Paul because of his leadership, and I think he's the last of a dying breed in, in many ways, where you don't see point guards like him anymore. And to me, his greatest accomplishment was last year. Turning around the Oklahoma City Thunder team when everybody expected them to be horrible, to me that was you know like okay that's Chris Paul that's that's his stamp as a leader, as a true point guard you know getting guys where they need to be getting guys in order to play at a higher level than they could or they think they could, and the, the sun started slow and you make a great point right, Bryce they were super hot in the bubble and everybody expected we added Chris Paul now yes. we're going to be oh my we're going to be great and they started slow. But in the sun, you know, they're a slow-paced team, actually. <laughs> they're 29th in pace, Bryce. And they're a very good defensive rating team. They're, they're top five in the league. Yep. yep. You know, and they shoot. I thought they're a jump-shooting team also. <laughs> so maybe beginning of the season, you know, Chris Paul and Booker were rusty. Right now, they're both shooting over 50% from the mid-range. And actually, <laughs> I was reading an article and I was saying how with this kind of percentage, even the analytics on the Suns teams – they're telling them Sick. to keep shooting the mid range because it's because <laughs> they shoot it so well. Exactly because the, the percentage is so good. I was like, you can keep shooting that. That's fine, <laughs> you know. So the mid range is not dead actually. If you look oh, okay. at it, you just have to shoot it you have to really, be, you have to really be, well. Yeah, you have to be. Real. So, so this is a good p- point with Chris Paul. So I said there wasn't a whole lot of turnover on the roster. So obviously, Chris Paul joined this roster after like you're right. He did an amazing job with the Oklahoma City Thunder last year. The the fact they won as many games as they did is incredible. Maybe that. Not in a bad way, but I'm sure that transformed the dynamic of the team a little bit. Bringing in a leader like that, somebody as demanding as Chris Paul, he handles the ball a lot. So maybe just that, you know, again, not in a bad way. I'm not blaming Chris Paul, but just adding that one piece, you know, it took him a little while to gel. Yeah, and you add a huge piece, you know. It's not like you add add your leader, you add your, like, a captain to the team. It's very different. But one thing I wanted to point out about is the Suns. They're very creative in the way they run the Spain pick and roll. And um, let, let me make our listeners very familiar with the Spain pick and roll. It's a top pick and roll with a back screen. So usually your point guard runs it with a four or five that's very athletic. And then your guard comes from behind and he sets a back screen. It's usually a great play for a three a lob or some kind of penetration. And they have a great th- trio f- to run that pick and roll. It's yes, they do. Ethan Booker. Yes. And I've noticed this. And I kept watching and I was like, oh, my God. They, I think they have like five or six different entries where they end up with the same Spain pick and roll, top pick with a back screen. And I was just fascinated because it, it just looks like, you know, they're kind of running offense and all of a sudden they run the same thing at the end. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, I want to give you know their coaches, their coaches, uh, you know, their due credit for that for being creative. And they ran out of bounds, sideline out of bounds, and I was like, okay, it's pretty cool. This is a cool team to watch, and they've done it against us too a few times uh, against the Pistons. You know, it's it's a great action, right? Because when you set that back screen, somebody has to help usually because you have someone like Aiton rolling to the basket who can catch a lob. Well, if Booker's setting the back screen, his man can't help off because he's going to step out and bang a three. So you you, you got to rely on the guys in the corner, um, you know. But they have Sarich, Cam Johnson, Crowder, um, Payne, you know, Kaminsky. Like they got other guys that are good three point shooters that they can put in the corner that you can't leave either. So they, to your point, they did a good job looking at their personnel. Michael Bridges looking at their personnel and saying this action fits our personnel. Absolutely, and, and they shoot close to thirty-eight percent from the three-point line as, as a, a team. team, you know. And they have guys like Cameron Payne, Frank Kaminsky, um, Michael Bridges, Chris Paul, Devin Booker. They're all right around forty percent, you know. Langston Galloway, Langston uh, Galloway, you know, yes, that's, that, that's yes. one of our guys. Yes, and, you know they shoot the ball so well. When you have six, seven guys that can shoot from you know in that thirty-eight to forty-five percent range, whew, that's tough. 
but they're a jump shooting team. So well, we have the other to thing, expect the Suns to struggle sometimes. Don't, don't underestimate this part too. It's really, I think people think it's easy to be the ball handler in a pick and roll situation. And it's not like I was not a ball. <laughs> I, I, I was not a ball handler at, at all. And I was, I would not be comfortable in pick and roll situations. Like, Chris Paul is a master. So don't underestimate that. And that's why I say it fits personnel. It starts because Chris Paul is so freaking good with the ball, coming off the ball screen, reading the defense, and making the right play. If you don't have that guy, none of the, none of the other stuff matters. Yeah, absolutely. And since you talk about ball handlers, you know, let's go to the last <laughs> last section of around the NBA. You know, you talk about a great pick and roll player, great ISO player, Damian Lillard and the Blazers. Yep. Bryce, what's your take on this team? Because I have my own, but I want to see yours because I think you're a little bit high up on the horse with these Blazers, and <laughs> I want to see what you think about them. Yeah, so so, so they had won <clears throat> six in a row whenever I kind of put this in my notes and, yep. and, and, and recommended us uh, you know, talking about it. They, and then they lost on Saturday, yesterday, to the Wizards, who have been playing better. I, I just, again, we like to talk about Damian Lillard probably doesn't get the love he deserves. Now, everybody's going in right now because feel like he wasn't getting his love. Stephen A. Smith went on a crazy rant the other day about this. And so now Damian Lillard's getting a ton of love. But again, I like this squad. And here's why I like this squad. They're number, what are they in the West right now? Number five in the West right now. And Nurkic and McCollum have, have only played a combined 25 games so far. So when you get those guys back and add them to Lillard, Gary Trent Jr., who's having a career year, and your guy Mello, you got to like that roster. Again, you know, on paper, a roster that you have to like. So, and there's some Duke love for you, Vlad. Gary Trent Jr. is a Duke guy. Are they going to start playing defense to at some point? It doesn't matter. Defense is overrated. They're bottom five. (laughs) What is overrated? Hey, someone rewind. No, 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 no. I have the top. I have the. I have the name of the episode is Vlad loves defense or Vlad talks defense because that's you've been throwing out no. the team defensive stats at us today for sure. Absolutely, because this is the Blazers in a nutshell. Though it's been happening for years. I feel like their offense You're always right. top five in the league. <laughs> they're like six. They're, they're six best offense right now, and uh, you know, give him credit. Give little credit. He stepped up after the CJ injury. He stepped up huge. And let me give out his stats. Most baskets to tie or take the lead in the final minute of the fourth quarter or overtime. Lillard, by far the best in the league. Five for eight, 62% from two, and then two for Ooh. four from three. In these situations. He's big time, man. Clutch, clutch, he'll win. He'll, he's clutch. I got my money. He's going to win you the game if it's a yeah. clutch situation. But to me, I just feel like we've seen this before. Like the Blazers being very good. The Blazers, you know, offensively, they. They get it going. And to me, defensively, they've always been so-so. Okay. So, and this so, year, they're the 29th ranked defense, and that's what worries me about the Blazers. So what's the answer then? So so what do you do? Because I've brought this up before with with CJ and Lillard. If, if, they, if, it, if it doesn't happen this year, and I don't mean like win a championship, but let's say they don't – let's say they lose in the first round or maybe even they lose in the second round. If they, if, if they lose in the first round – what do you do? Do you trade CJ McCollum and, and kind of re construct this team to be better defensively somehow? What What do you do? We give him Blake Griffin for CJ. I'm I'm, I'm good with that. Honestly, I don't know. I, what this you is can how do. delusional. I, this is that's how delusional I was. That was a that was something I thought legit could happen before the season. <laughs> That, that, that's how much I still thought Blake had left in the tank because I thought that could be a legit trade. And now I look like a fool because NBA 2K would reject that trade. <laughs> I say NBA 2K. Uh, no, but regarding this Blazers team, I don't know because they're always just one game away. You know, They're right there. They're, but you, you know, can't keep doing that, right? I don't know how long you can keep that going because maybe they get one lucky break. You know, maybe, you know, CJ comes back and Melo gets super hot and they have this trio that, you know, this big three that they have by themselves. Can they make a run at it? Yes. Do I see them going past the conference semifinals? No. And that's just, you know, it's tough because you're looking at this top four in the West, Bryce, 
Jazz, Clippers, Lakers, Suns. Tough. Are they better than any of these teams? No. That's, you know, that's the thing. They're not better. They just, you know, however you put it, even in their best year, they just don't don't seem to be better than these teams. No. And don't get me wrong, over the last 10 games, they're 8-2. Yeah. Just Pretty like good. the Suns. They're hot. Lillard spraying great. Carmelo's coming back, and he's just, he's had sort of this revival this February. I'm all for it. But honestly, I don't see it. Unfortunately, I don't see it. I'm a huge fan, you know. Yeah. Bryce, we played against CJ. Yeah. And uh, I'm a huge fan of the Blazers. You know, uh, my oldest son, he loves Damian Lillard. You know, <laughs> and uh, I'm all about it. I love Carmelo Anthony. Yeah. But I don't see them going past the first round. And you know, I they guess get the first round, they get a win, and that's it. Second that, second round exit. And that's what's hard is like, how long do they stay in that number four, number five? Maybe we get to mm-hmm. the semis. If we catch a break, we can get to the Western Conference Finals. Like, I just think at a certain point, you have one of the 10 best talents in the league. I know it sounds crazy to say, hey, we're going to trade CJ McCollum. And maybe it's not that. Maybe you keep those two in clean house with everybody else. But at some point, you have to do something. You have to take a chance. If, if it was Troy Weaver, you have to empty the clip and and try something else. Yeah, at, at some point, but honestly, I, I wouldn't want to be in G, a GM in that situation because it's so tough. That, it's tough, yes. When, when do you do it? You're so close, and you seem to be like one game away, one small piece away from being that team. And the and, fan base you know, is not going to like it if you, you know, if, when you do it. You know, like they're, they're, they're not going to be huge fans, would be my guess. No, because you can compare it to the Warriors. Both Damien and CJ were drafted by the Blazers. So, you know, they kind of build this together. And it's the same with, you know, Steph and Clay. You know, I, I don't know what they're missing. They miss like a Draymond Green. They miss some vets. Yeah. I don't know what they're missing, but they're just missing something. Yes. <laughs> and unfortunately, I can't really pinpoint it. And I'm, I'm sure their front office is looking at it and twisting and turning it. And, uh, but maybe when, uh, you know, CJ comes back, things can change a little bit for them and, uh, you know, see how that goes. But Bryce, let's go back to Pistons now. You know, just a, a quick quick update. Um, as Bryce said earlier, we're recording some Sundays. So, right now, the Pistons are going to play uh, Orlando. And uh, they're also going to yep. play Orlando again. Yes, tonight. And then they're going to play Orlando again this week. And we have New Orleans, Sacramento. Bryce, what are your thoughts? Because without DeLon Wright, uh, with DeLon Wright, I would like our chance. I think we're playing better and better overall. Sure. And we're finally getting to a stretch where, you know, we don't play the Bostons, the Lakers, the Nets, yeah. the Pacers so, of the world. So it, I actually looked at this the other day. We've had the toughest schedule in the NBA, and like it's not even close. Like you've said this, Vlad, but I didn't realize how tough our schedule was. So the, whatever numbers they use or whatever, it's significantly higher than the number two spot. So the, we are about to go through a stretch where we don't play as good of teams, and and I don't mean to overlook. I think the most exciting thing about like tonight's game, Sunday night's game against the Magic, will be seeing that point guard spot. Does Dennis Smith Jr. start? Is it somebody else? Um, but looking down the road at games, I like the Pelicans matchup again. Um, you know, just the matchup against Zion Williamson. And then you look at Sacramento. And I think that's a game that people are going to talk about a lot because of Tyrese Halliburton. So Tyrese Halliburton is a guy that a lot of Pistons fans talk a lot about because that's the point guard that they look at the draft now and say they wish we would have chosen him over Killian Hayes, um, which I think we both agree is too too early to say that. But that will be an interesting matchup. Yeah, and we'll, you know, I, I think any rookie this year is going to kind of go against this whole Hayes thing, and they can yes. pinpoint it as like, oh, you know, Weaver drafted Hayes. But it's so early, and even even he, he comes back this year and he doesn't play well. I, I'm still not out and be like, okay, he's just bad because he's coming off an injury. He's coming off a fairly serious injury, you know, that affected Isaiah Thomas a whole ton. So I don't, you know, the jury's not out on him even after this season. Honestly, I'll I'll be okay with waiting more, sure. and uh, we'll, we'll see what we get. You know, I think next year, I think it's even a bigger draft for for Weaver. You know, because if you're going to be in top three, then you're going to get you a have stud. to hit on that. Yep. It, it's a matter of, you know, 
getting the right stud for your team because you're going to get a superstar. Honestly, yes. we've talked about draft class. If you guys want to listen to that a few episodes ago, we talked about this and how good this draft class is, especially at the top. And uh, just looking forward to schedule. You know, I think we're going to win more games from now on. So I really hope, you know, the Cavs, the Wizards, they, keep, they start winning too a little bit because <laughs> I really don't want to uh, climb too high up in the standings. And uh, also because I think this team is better than the record, slightly. And we have a chance to kind of just get a bunch of wins in the second part of the season. And I'm not sure that would be very helpful for us. But, again, we're yes. missing our starting point guard for now, DeLon Wright. And uh, it's going to be another adjustment. I don't expect uh, this Orlando, especially this first Orlando game, to go very smooth. Um, it's very tough, you know, that when, you, when you're missing your point guard. And a point guard has played so well for us. You know. He has played really well. He, he he's been underappreciated, to be honest, and and by myself included. But he has really played pretty for all of his deficiencies, and he does have some. He has played very well. Absolutely, but I think he's a great second string unit. You know, you put him together with Josh Jackson. You have him, Josh Jackson, Stewart. I mean, you have the, the core of a really good second unit. I think one two years from now. So if we could just you know. Get his pieces to fit and get the right ones in the next draft. I think we're very close to something special. And maybe just that, maybe it's me being optimistic. You know, I've been optimistic from day one about this Pistons team, about Troy Weaver and his plans and his quality as a GM. But, you know, let's, let's see. Let's see how this week goes because we could come back next week and just have a really negative show, but let's hope not. <laughs> <laughs> so just right, one thing Bryce. I want to put out there uh, because well oh r- real quick just be- because well, and we'll talk about it next week I'm sure but we do get the return of Derrick Rose next Sunday night on the 28th and then we play the, the Knicks um, a-, a-, a few days later as well so we get the Knicks two out of three here coming up a, a week from now I'm sure we'll dive into that next episode but um, that-, that is coming up soon the, the Pistons versus uh, Derrick Rose and the Knicks and then the Smith Jr. back against the Knicks. That's going to be the more interesting one, I think. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be that little payback. I think he has a little bit of edge and chip on his shoulder. I think so, too. Well, all right, everybody. Well, thank you for listening to us. And uh, we look forward to listening for you to us to listen to our next show, too. And you guys can find Bryce mostly on Twitter at Motor City Hoops. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Motor City Hoops Show on Instagram and Motor City Hoops on Facebook. And also, if you want to email us questions, whatever you guys want to talk about, we'd love to hear back from you at MotorCityHoopsPod at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to the Motor City Hoops Podcast. Catch you on the next one.